Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, and welcome to Self with Lisa Clark. Each week, we share this space to connect, grow, and raise the quality of our consciousness. I am your host, Lisa, and I am a self-practitioner and meditation teacher. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I love your company. This week, I was joined by Dr. Erin Fall Haskell, who is a New Thought Minister, best-selling author, international speaker, and so much more. Listen in as we talk about the universal laws, healing past trauma, and living on spiritual principles. Live from Los Angeles, we have Dr. Erin in the self space with us today. Hey, Dr. Erin, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Lisa, for having me. I, I really had to say live from Los Angeles because I know, I think it's so fabulous how you start your, your podcasts and your lives. I think that's great. Yeah. So I, I needed to bring a little bit of Dr. Erin, you know. <laughs> so cute, right? I know. Yeah. So to tell you all listening a little bit about Dr. Erin, she is a doctor of divinity and new thought minister. She is also founder and host of the TV show, Good Morning La La Land. Dr. Erin is a best-selling author, international speaker, mother, and CEO of the global spiritual community, Soul Society. And really getting down to it, Dr. Erin's greatest passion is warmly encouraging people to awaken and live their truth. And I've got that in capitals here because I really think uh, that's your mission. <laughs> it is. Actually, we're, um, we've been working on kind of not rebranding, but just making sure everything is on point, like at the most professional level. And we have really picked the hashtag live your truth because that really is the entire mission, really. I mean, awakening, of course, but what do you do once you awaken? You know what I mean? Like, it's like living your truth. You know, you're here for a mission. You're here for a purpose. And that's what it's all about. 100%. And I just love the practicality and the straightforwardness, the directness of how you have, how you deliver that message. Um, I think it's something that the world most certainly needs to hear. And it's almost like a little message to yourself once you have woken up or even prior to that, it, it gives you that kind of perspective of like, oh, I, I'm allowed to be myself. I'm allowed to show up in, in every facet that I want to. Wow, that's great, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that live your truth is a, you know, I was like, what does it mean exactly? You know, because people are like, what is, what is living your truth? You know, it's like, well, there's ultimate truth and there's relative truth and you get to birth your relative truth, awaken to the truth of who you are, but then also awaken to really what, what you're here to do. I really believe that each one of us has a specific uh, mission and legacy to leave here. And so how do you live that? How do you breathe that? How do you, you know, go into each day with the intention of what you are here to enjoy life and to fulfill your purpose? You know, it's such a, it's such an amazing, amazing so many, thing when you really find your purpose. It's such a blessing. So many layers. And I know that all of the listeners are so excited just from listening to that, <laughs> that yeah. phrase right there and hearing from you. Um, and I really want to kick things off with mentioning uh, that my, I'm, I'm very big on morning routine, daily AM spiritual practice. It's what I kind of birthed this podcast 
from um, season one was, uh, you know, a daily practice for a whole year of sharing space wow. together. Yeah, it was a really, it was great. It was awesome. I obviously learned so much about myself in that time as well and connected with so many people globally, which was just incredible. Um, but the reason I have a daily practice is because of you. And I oh. found, it's the tr- that is the truth. <laughs> I, found, I found your teachings. I think I came across you on social media about two years ago and then that directed me to your podcast and I started listening mm-hmm. to that daily because obviously I had episodes to catch up on um, and to which I then got your book. And I started incorporating that into my, you know, well, your book Awakening, and it is an actual 40-day guide to, you know, unleashing your spiritual powers, life purpose, and manifesting your dreams. So I was like, great, I'm going to use that as a daily practice. And that really, from reading your book, kicked off my morning routine. And to this day, every single day, I have a morning routine. So thank you so much for that. Oh, you couldn't tell me anything better. You know, I think that outside of having a child, I mean, I think that you know, it's everything, as you know, you know, that connection through source and gives you a life beyond your wildest dreams. And if, if that's something, you know, I just feel like that's why we do what we do. You know, if we can touch one person's life and have that ripple into an effect of going out, just think about the ripple effect. Think about what you've done on your podcast. Think about the one thing that you read of mine that was a ripple effect of how many people you've touched versus how, like, that's why we're all doing this together. And it's, it's, it's so rad. It is. (laughs) Seriously, it is. (laughs) That's a great word for it. It is rad. And And it's like wildfire, you know, and really, I spoke about this on my social media last week, applying the current pandemic, the coronavirus to, you know, relativity in terms of spreading positivity and joy and love and encouraging people to live their truth. It's like you meet one person, that person meets three people, three people meet 10 people. It's, it's, um, it's not only addictive, it is, um, it's viral. Yeah, it's viral. That's right. That's what I'm looking for. It is literally viral. And it's a great way on to kind of flip what's happening, which is, you know, um, in a sense, negative uh, for those that perceive it in that way. Um, it's a great way to apply that to something else. Like that's how quick positive positivity can spread and love and kindness and compassion. So, um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great little uh, thinker for, for, you to, for you to think about and realize. Yeah, and don't you find that that's what you do and your that's the point of having a daily spiritual practice. So we call it, of course, as you know, getting your mind right, because you can, you could wake up today in lockdown and your mind could spiral into, you know, the pity party and how the whole world is falling apart and, and all this stuff. Or, you can go into meditation and you know prayer, not to some man on the sky, but to expand your consciousness and begin to see the opportunity that can be born out of this, and the pivoting and the creativity and things, um, you know, shifting for your highest good and shifting your values and shifting the world to have to align with Mother Nature more and not her animals more and align globally and and X, Y, and Z on and on. And so that's why. Why have a morning spiritual practice? Why come to Lisa's podcast and listen to the 365-day morning podcast? It's so that you can get your mind right. So that you're, because that's literally the difference. I just talked about this. The difference between successful people and non-successful people is they do, they can't, they don't have time to focus on what's wrong. They focus on what they want to create. That really is the distinction. I'm I'm just sat here behind my microphone, just nodding my head at everything that you're saying. I'm like, yes, that's that's very correct. And I'd also just like to pause and and kind of rewind to your statement of which I've heard you say so many times, and I love it. You know, when we pray, we're not just praying to some man in the sky. Um, who do you pray to? 
I, my definition of prayer, there's, there's kind of two types of prayer, if you will. And one is, is actually, it's really common between meditation and prayer. There really isn't, there's a spectrum of meditation. And on one side is emptying the mind and, and you empty it so much that you allow the truths of the universe to stream in. And on the other side of prayer, I'm sorry, the other side of meditation, you're doing single centered focused prayer. I mean, meditation, sorry, I keep saying that. So you're really doing, it's, it's the same, it's just a different side. It's the same side of the coin, but different side. And it is, you're emptying the mind, going beyond the thought, you know, releasing all that. And then you're centering and focusing the mind, but you're really doing the same thing, which is communicating with universal law. That's what you're doing. So prayer is, has nothing to do with anyone to anyone or any man in the sky or any of that. From a science and mind perspective or from a new thought minister, we are expanding our consciousness and allowing the truth of who we are, the higher self. That is the true yoga to merge with your higher self. And then we are directing our energy upon mind for a very specific outcome outcome and manifestation and demonstration. So it's really about living your truth again, your first awakening to the I am, the truth, the truth, the ultimate truth. And then you are birthing your relative truth and deciding what it is that you want to experience and what legacy you want to leave here. It's the same, it's all the same work. Yeah, I love hearing about that. And I love hearing and learning about the universal laws of which you obviously talk about a lot in your teachings and, and living on spiritual principle. Can can I ask, what are the universal laws? Because I know we obviously hear of like uh, law of attraction. I think that one has yeah. very strongly been um, spotlighted. We forget that there are so many others. Uh, so what are the universal laws and, and where do they stem from? So there really is only one universal law, and it's the law of cause and effect, meaning that everything is created from source, from spirit, from the truth of who you are, the backing of everything that's created the entire universe. And this, the outpicture and the, the effect is this entire thing called life in this, this realm that we see in the 3D realm, right? So the laws are really, uh, the, the 52 that I teach uh, um, are basically distinctions of that one law. And everything from, say, the law of attraction, which understands that what you, you know, what you're, um, we call it more of the mental equivalent, if you will, whatever you're embodying, the vibration that you're, you know, embodying is that which, which can attract not only good, but bad, right? Um, but also things like law of growth, meaning that some things can be manifested instantaneously in mind, but they take time in the time spectrum to outpicture in the physical realm. And I use the same example again and again, like a ballerina dancer. A ballerina can decide in mind, I am a, I've decided I want to be a ballerina. And it's done in mind at a soul level. But there's an outpicturing for that ballerina to embody the rudiments and develop the muscles that align with that decision in mind, right? So it's the same with, you know, law of attraction in that you know, you decide what you truly want inside, and then you've got to hold that um, vibration in your mind and and have it, you know, basically inform universal law. So there's there's 52 distinctions I you I teach, and they're all saying the same thing. They really wow. are. They're all saying that there's one source, and it comes from consciousness, and it goes into the subject of the subconscious mind, and the subconscious mind like basically only uses a portion of it, distorts it through the beliefs that we have, the, what we be and live. And then it basically informs all of the, the energy of the entire universe and reflects back 
in this mirror of life. And that's all universal. It's like getting into a car and understanding how do I drive this thing? You know, we forgot we're not the car. We can get out. We're not the laws of the universe. We're not the body. We're not the beliefs. But we can use universal laws to experience and to take us somewhere in this realm, you know, experience and whatever. But we're not the universal laws. We're not this body. We're not our beliefs. We are, we're, we're source. We're beyond energy. We're the backing of energy. Mm. And we contribute to it, you know, obviously in our, in our inspired action that we take in our day. Um, I, and you obviously unpack the, the universe, well, not obviously, obviously to me because I follow you, but um, on your podcast, uh, you follow and you are unpacking currently, I believe, the uh, 52 um, distinctions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you want to learn more in, about that, um, Dr. Heron has some great um, insight into that. I'll pop the link of her podcast as well so you can go and follow that along there. Um, so new thought, the new thought movement, um, tell us a little bit about that. What does that specifically entail? I'm so glad you asked that because no one understands that. It's actually, it I is want to know. New, it's, new thought, it's new thought movement. And actually we're just a little thing that I've, we have not, we have not announced this anywhere. This will be the first time you've been talking about it really. I've kind of, ha- I've, sent, I've said subtle hints about it, but we are going to be actually opening a spiritual practitioner, ministerial and doctorate program under New Thought Global. But um, New Thought Movement is, is actually really an ancient thought, and, but it is an actual movement that happened um, in the 18th century in Europe under what is called the Mental Cure Movement. And what happened is, you know, there was great wisdom way back in time, if you will, you know, from Greek oracles to a lot of Eastern religions to all kinds of things. There's wisdom, right, of how we're connected to the universe, how we're connected and how we manifest and all this stuff. And then kind of the, the church came along where it was kind of putting God outside of the self and mm-hmm. a very kind of um, time when, um, you know, the witches were, were, you know, burned at the stake, if you will. And we lost a lot of wisdom. And the, the, we began to bring it back through, through many ways, I'm sure, but one was through the mental cure movement. And what it was, it was mesmerism over in Europe that began to do kind of these hypno, hypnotizing things. He began to do what's called now hypnotism. And there was a gentleman that studied under him and he realized one day he forgot his kind of tools that he thought actually were the metal things that had people be able to, you know, get their mind right. And one day he forgot the metal tools and he realized it has nothing to do with these metal tools. It has everything to do with the power of mind. And he came back over and there was, it all kind of started trickling together through Emerson, um, you know, all that entire movement. And then you had people like Thomas Chord that brought Eastern uh, philosophy philosophy over from the East, of course. And so it really was the Christian mysticism movement, which was really saying, look, there's kind of truths in all these philosophies, but what Mm. is the truth? And the truth is the power of the mind, the power of the mind and how that connects in with the subconscious mind and the subjective mind that is one with all of life through the universal laws. So that really is, there's 1500 spiritual centers under new thought movement, everything from unities to science and mind to divine science. So I'm really excited because we'll be doing a center that is kind of the umbrella of all of them. It was like the universe opened up and said, this is yours, sweetheart. Mm. What are you going to do with it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, congratulations. That's really exciting news. And and what I really do love about the New Thought Movement um, is that I find, and I I don't want to call it What's the word that you, it's not, it's not a religious thing. It's, it's a, an institution. Like what's the, what's the word that, a movement, it's a movement of new thought, right? Let's leave it at that. What I love yeah, about it. 
I'm sorry. Just to clarify that the government of the United States makes people decide which, which religion they are. So it depends if you're doing a nonprofit and it's, and it is under somewhat of a church, you have to decide which, which you are, which is such a shame. Um, but yeah, but it is considered a movement, but most of the spiritual centers are considered churches under it because they want to get that nonprofit. We have debated if we're going to, we're, we're for profit right now as society. Mm -hmm. So it's been a really big decision and we really actually have not finalized that at Mm -hmm. all. Well, mm-hmm. I look forward to, to hearing where that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do love and admire about the movement, the New Thought movement, is the fact that it does warmly welcome and encompasses all different faiths. And it talks about oh, the yeah. different stories. And, <clears throat> you know, what I really love about that is obviously, or to, to some listeners, not so obvious that religion is the number one cause of war and, and disrupt in the world. And I think that this is such a peaceful um, the New Thought Movement has such peace attached to it and the way that it encompasses and envelops all religions and faiths I think is really yeah. incredible. It's a place for everyone, I think. We do. We celebrate all faiths, all philosophies. We love to refer to science. We truly believe that it's all yeah. saying the same thing and we always look for the commonalities. And I think that um, the Dalai Lama summed it up best in um in what is it, was it called? The universe in a cell? Is that the name of the book? I can't remember. If that, I don't know if that's correct, but he basically is saying this, that if religion and science is not working and developing uh, science and religion to actually make it a better world and bring harmony and help us solve problems, then what good is any of it? Mm. So I think the intention behind it is really what matters and what is the intention. And hopefully it's to have love and harmony and help people in suffering and, and find answers. And if it's not for that, it's just to be right, then, you know, it's just, I'm just not interested. Mm. While we're on this, I'd love to ask your personal opinion. What, what is your personal opinion with, um, you know, ascended masters like Jesus and Buddha? Uh, what, what's mm. your personal opinion on their time that they spent here on earth um, and how they're looked to now? Mm, it's a great, great question. I love that. I believe that we are all, our birthright is prophecy. Our birthright is, as Jesus said, you too will do greater things than I. Um, it is us. It's, I believe the second coming of Christ is you. Mm. Because it is realizing that the Christ consciousness is within you and the Buddhist consciousness is within you. And um, I believe that they live now just like you will live for eternity. Um, it's just... Yes. a uh, you know, so I, I believe that it's in- interesting because I believe we are the all and we teach that we are the individual and the all. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's my own personal perspective. And, and I hope it doesn't offend anyone because that's not my intention. And if that's not your truth, I honor your truth as well. And that's what the New Thought Movement is all about, you know. And, I, and I've actually said that on this podcast over and over and over again. I think that if we just stayed in our lane and supported the people around us with love and compassion and not worried about jumping on another person's lane and worried about what they're doing or what color hair they have, what faith they follow, whatever, it's individual. It's, it's, a, it's a, in a sense, a private practice. I feel that it's, it's quite uh, like outrageous to me that people – find it okay to comment on another's um, belief system and and what that looks like. So, um, well, that's the number one reason if you want war, there's only one thing you need to do, whether it be in your relationship or with a friend or with, you know, a country is make them wrong. Yes. That's all you got to do. And you start a war, you know, so it's really easy. If you want peace, just, you know, 
allow people to have their truth, allow people to, as long as they're not overstepping their boundaries. And that's where we do have to have laws. We do have to have a government for those purposes. And, mm-hmm. you know, and unfortunately we are all responsible to make sure that the right person is in, in that position. Yeah, that's right. And, and you get to know what that is with getting to know yourself as well on more of a, yeah. you know, less of a government level and more on like a self level. Yeah, um, tough. Dr. Erin, you talk a lot about awakening in your teachings. Obviously that's the, the name of your book. Um, yeah. I want to talk to you about your awakening and, and what that looks like for you. I'm so, I love your questions, by the way. You're a really good interview because it seems like, I don't know why, but you're really, um, I feel you. I feel you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I talk about it a little bit and it's one of those things. It's, it's, again, I call it coming out of the spiritual closet because you've asked some questions that rarely people ask, like, what do I think of, you know, Jesus Christ and things like that. Mm. And so for me, what happened was um, I had a stillborn, which if you guys listen to most all my interviews, that's one of the first questions. And I get a little bit tired of telling that same story because I feel like anyone who's going to listen to the next interview is like, oh no, she's saying the same thing, right? So anyway, I did have a full-term stillborn at 22. And my journey in awakening was, of course, slow at first. I began to really reach um, for books and began to do the meditation. And it was really difficult for me. It was very challenging for me to quiet my mind for five minutes. But something really profound happened over time because I couldn't afford to go to therapy and I couldn't afford to go to some fancy retreats. I couldn't afford to have a coach at that point in time in my life. But I thought the one common thing that I had read in the books was about meditation. And I thought, if I can just do this, there's got to be something there. So I really was disciplined in doing my meditation. Sometimes I could do it for five minutes. Sometimes I could do it for 20 minutes. But as the years went on, I would have milestones that would happen. So at first you know, I was able to kind of separate myself from the monkey mind, those clouds of, of consciousness going by. And it was like, oh my gosh, I really have mastered my mind, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the next thing was I would go into my meditations and I'd kind of think, I'm kind of confused about this one thing in my life, you know, and I'd come out of my meditation and I'd have real clarity around. I was like, oh, well, I'm just that, you know what I mean? Like I really have hit this enlightenment thing, you know? <laughs> and then, And then as time went on, um, I speak about it a little bit in the beginning of my book, but I, a voice started coming through and deities started coming to me. And I never believed in, I never believed in Jesus, actually, quite frankly. And Jesus came to me and many other deities came to me. And I don't talk about it at all because I know so many people would say, oh yeah, this girl, this one was crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. So I actually don't speak about it a lot. But the the things that happened in in my journey, I was able to... I, I, I would go all over the place. I could go into different people's bodies. I could go and feel. I, w- I remember one time I went into meditation and I was actually went into the embodiment of this woman that was holding her baby that she couldn't feed in her arms watching the baby die in another country and, and just being able to go anywhere in consciousness and being wow. able to track back into time. And I would be able to go back, track back into history in time that I never, I never liked history. I had, and I'd come out of the processes and meditation. I'd go Google and I go, Oh my gosh, that was that exact date. That's exactly what people were wearing. And I started freaking. I was like, what are we really capable of? And when you go down the rabbit hole of awakening, that's why I don't speak about that stuff in my book. I teach about the distinctions of really helping you expand your consciousness enough so that you're able to let the truths of the universe. And so you're able to even begin that journey. But I don't think I could, maybe I'll write that book on my, you know, later in life when I can Mm. really 
you know, talk about the entire journey of life. But I had, Lisa, those moments in my awakening, in my walk-in closet alone, you know, at 11 o'clock at night were the most profound, most beautiful moments of my entire life. That was my awakening. And it's something I just rarely talk about. It's um, it's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I'm not sure whether I, I think you actually mentioned it really early on in your podcast. And I loved the raw honesty of, um, you know, you really said it quite similarly to how you just said it then. You were like, you know, I was just sat in my closet and I would just sit there, you know, at all hours of the night and I would just allow myself to travel. And I, I love that. It's, um, it's obviously your superpower. And I'm, I'm wondering, do you think that that has anything to do with the past, past lives? Do you believe in that? Yes. Yeah, so I'm very clear what I think about past lives because I did a lot of past life work and, and I trained the girls in society how to do past life regressions. And, and past life regressions are really fascinating because when you, when you're working with client, or for me anyway, I'll bring it back to me. When I first started going into past life regressions, it felt like I was like trying to force it. I was like, this isn't really real. I'm just kind of going into fantasy. And I said, just keep going, just keep just what's there, you know? And I would kind of go into almost a fantasy of something that would happen. And it was, you know, we're going into traumatic incidences and then it would be more real than anything that actually happened in this life. The emotions attached to it and everything else were so real that I thought, oh my gosh, like, is this real or not? And I kept doing them, kept doing them. And I would, again, I would go to times and I would know exactly what I was wearing, what people, what was going on. And I would come out and I'd Google and it was exactly what was going on. So I thought, well, it must be real, you know? But what happened, and again, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but what happened was I was able to track all lifetimes. I began to be able to track all lifetimes. And so from a scientific perspective, even if you don't believe in past lives, there's what's called epigenetics. And it is the memory. The memory lives in you. Why are we afraid of snakes when we maybe haven't even been bit by a snake in this lifetime? Yes. The memory lives in who you are. So I believe that we are all past lifetimes, but you have a specific DNA that's been through whatever it's been through. And so yes, specifically that DNA, you're really dealing with how those past traumas are coming up. That's why doing the E4 trauma method and doing your, your trauma work is really important. So when someone doesn't believe in past life, I go, it doesn't matter. What matters is the emotions attached to the mental picture. So that's like, why can you go into a movie theater and feel so sad about something that's not even real? You know, it's because it's the energy that's attached to it and the meaning that we put around it. And so we want to go and we want to neutralize. You should be able to look at anything on this planet, anything that's happened in the past and not be triggered, but rather be in a place where you have freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. to create what you want out of what has happened instead of living in effect and reacting out of what have, what's happened. So in a sense, seeing the truth and seeing yeah. the truth from almost like a third person perspective. Mm-hmm. God, I could just listen to you all day. I mean, I, <laughs> but whilst we're on past trauma, that's actually really what I wanted to dive in with you in today's topic because uh, in today's episode because I know that you you talk a lot about past trauma waking up you know getting your mind right healing past trauma letting that go so you can move forward and expand your consciousness um big question how do we how do we recognize our trauma you know do you think it lives in the subconscious and and if so how do we get there especially if it's lifetimes deep how do we identify Mm -hmm. it 
I think trauma is fairly easy to recognize in that you can tell when you are kind of just not living your truth. You start feeling like a little bit like, oh God, I'm just, this doesn't feel right to me versus trauma is like, I got, I'm out of here. You know, like it's like a reaction. It's a it is just uh, you get triggered, if you will, versus non trauma is more just like, you know, I'm starting to get more and more sad, or I'm, you know, and that has that's linked to trauma as well, also often. Um, but the the main traumas are we have commands around them. So what you can notice is when you get triggered, do you say something under your breath inside, like I'll never trust again? Oh, it's happening again. I'll never, you know he's going to leave or whatever it may be. It's, it usually has a command that's attached to it. So yeah. So what happened was I had been doing a lot of work. I did things like, of course, meditation for years. I had gone to a lot of seminars. I had done a lot of different processes. Um, I had done shamanistic work, not in any medicine, but pure shamanistic work. I had began all these different things, but the biggest transformation that I experienced for myself was when I did trauma. And what happened was I began to study what was called like a Greek oracle processes where you expand your mind more and more through processes and you get in there and you start doing some trauma. And I began to go into past traumatic incidents of this lifetime and I'd have so much emotion around it. For example, when I had a stillborn, I went back into that traumatic incident. And when I went to that incident, I had all these emotions. You know, if there's something you can talk about and the minute you even think about it, you get a lump in your throat and you start kind of tearing up. And by the end of that session, two hours later, I had nothing around it. You know, I could talk about that incident and not start crying. And I thought, whoa, that's incredible. And then I would go again into traumatic incidences and neutralize them. And I would realize that I had made a decision. In that incident, for example, there was a time that my father and mother got in an argument and my father was driving away. And I remember bawling out, looking out the window and my father was looking away. And I remember just thinking, you know, love is pain. This is so painful. And, and forever, I think I just mocked it up. Like I just like every time love equaled pain, you know? And so anytime anyone was leaving or there was any thought of someone leaving, I would just like, I'd be like, I don't, I got to go. Like I was out of there, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that doing the trauma work is for me is the most important thing. It's even more so even than meditation in a sense, because a lot of people have a hard time breaking through in meditation because there's so much swirling around in their mind that the biggest thing that will kind of stop that monkey mind and stop that swirling around of your mind going all different directions is because you haven't completed the emotional things in your past. And once you've completed those, you can go sit with yourself and be with yourself much easier. It takes years off meditation, in my opinion, to yeah. like really break through to the other side. Yeah. And, and I, I um, often talk about it. It's like holding the mirror up to yourself, you know, and noticing the darker shadows, you know, we're filled with light and dark. It's that beautiful balance. It's the yin and the yang. And I think, you know, it's that, it's that age old recommendation in, in spirituality. It's like lean in, lean into those dark things that maybe you've pushed down that happened in childhood because it's not serving you and it's uh, affecting how you act in relationships in every facet of your life, really. So for those people that are kind of listening, thinking, 
oh, I wouldn't even know where to start. Like, what does that look like for me? I, I kind of meditate, yeah. um, you know, but how do I, like, my mom kind of pisses me off a little bit, but like, how could I, you know, how yeah. do I so go about let's break the, it? Let's break this on down for you guys. So if you're listening, you might want to get up a pen and paper because a lot of people go, oh, you got to work on your limited beliefs. Like, what does that mean exactly? Or like, what well, you need to do your subconscious work or you need to do your trauma. What does that mean? Okay, so let's break it on down. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to give you what's called the computer analogy and then I'm going to tell you what the actual process is of trauma work so that you can you know, begin to choose, you know, you can look out there in the world and maybe you'll find somebody that does some trauma work, or you can come work with me, or you can come with Lisa or whatever it is, whoever, I don't know who, where, where your next step is for yourself, but let's break this one down. Okay. So your subconscious work, your subconscious mind works just like a computer. Okay. So if you are if you're on your phone or your computer right now, you can touch it. That's the hardware. Okay. Your body is a hardware. If you touch your body, that's a hardware. If you go inside your phone or computer, that's the software. That's the programming. Okay. If you go inside of your body, you have what's called, it's, it's like your, your, your beliefs, your programming. It's, it's the, you know, what's been programmed through epigenetics and also through it's been programmed in this lifetime, what you see, your culture, what your parents told you, so on and so forth. Okay. Then you have your memory. If you go inside your phone or computer, you have memory. And it's got good memory or bad memory. We have memory. It's epigenetics inside of us. And it's also what we call the Akashic records. Okay. So everything's living in you. So now you can have the best computer, the best software, the best memory, but it's not going to do anything with the operator. Same with you. You, you can have, you know, the best body, the best program. You're the, you're the spiritual being. You're not your body. You're not your beliefs. You're not your program. You're not your memory. Okay. So what happens with a computer if it's not working well? it gets scrambled. There's too much in the cache. There's too many tabs open. It gets slow. There's not good internet, you know, to it, whatever. It's the same thing with you. So what happens with you is one, of course, you got to make sure your Wi-Fi is working, which means you got to connect a source through meditation and stuff. But a lot of time it's the trauma. And what that means is that you've got all these tabs open that aren't complete. All the things that happened in your past, you've got documents open, you've got your whole screen is full of different documents and it's jammed all over. There's too much cafe. Everything's open. So your computer's not working and it's like scrambled. You don't know where to start. Okay. You're getting confused. You're getting overwhelmed. You're getting, you know, you're starting to get sad. You react to things. You don't know why. So what we want to do is we want to clear out your computer. Okay. We want to clear out your subconscious. So we begin to look at each tab, do whatever it takes to shut it down, close the document, save it, put it away where it belongs in its, in its, in, you know, where it's, it's filed away. Well, the same thing with us, anything that happened in our past, it's still, it's not complete. If there's anything that's happened to you in your life where you feel like you're the effect, where you feel like you get triggered when you think about it, where you feel like you get upset about it when you think about it, that is a tab open in your, like in your subconscious. It's got to be handled. It's got to be dealt with and it's got to be completed and, and filed away where it belongs. Okay. Oh, so I how love do we- it. <laughs> right? So how do we do this? Okay. So in the process of the E4 trauma method is what, what we train the, the girls and a few guys in, in society, which they get certified in as coaches is the E4 trauma method along with some other stuff, but the E4 trauma had four processes to it. Okay. One is experience it. You want to re-experience. You actually go back into the traumatic incident as if it's happening right now. So I'll say, don't say, well, I was there, you know, it was, you know, 1985 and I was at, no, I was, I walked in the door. He said this, I said this, right? You want to re-experience it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Second is you want to, it's called evaluation, which means no evaluation, no backstory, 
no meaning around it. You want to just be with it. You want to experience whatever's there, okay? The next is, um, is emotions. You want to fully feel the emotions because physics is whatever we resist persist. So you want to fully experience the emotions. You want to feel them, you want to express them, but you cannot, emotions will only stay on that emotional traumatic incident if you put meaning or limited story around it. If you fully experience those emotions, they will dissipate and you will neutralize that, that traumatic incident. Okay. And then number four is what we call enlightenment. We begin to see what did you decide out of that? What limited beliefs did you decide about yourself, about life, about others, and what new possibility is there for you? Okay. So the four things again is experience. So E is for experience, which is re-experiencing it. Number two is E for evaluation, which means we don't want to evaluate it. No limited story, no meaning. Number three is to emotions, is to feel the emotions fully. And then number four is enlightenment. So that means you just, you begin to spot. It's really important. We, we actually write down the commands. What did you decide? What limited beliefs did you decide? And oftentimes what happens, people see like, oh my gosh, I decided that no one cares. And I have had that story mm. and looked through that lens my entire life. I can't believe I did that. And then in that exact same moment, they realize if I can create that limited belief that has been playing out like a puppet strings in my life, my entire life, I also have the ability to decide and declare right now that, that I care and that I'm going to care and that yes, people do care because I'm, I'm, it doesn't matter. I don't have attachment. Caring and love comes from me. And so it, and then we can go earlier and similar into past lives to the four, four processes. Wow. That's incredible, Dr. Aaron. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, that's a yeah. great, that's a great practice and um, a great wealth of knowledge, you know, that you've, that you've just shared with us really appreciate that. Um, well, it's, you know, it's uh, for anyone listening out there, I, I just get, you know, I remember met, having a meditation and having both my grandmothers, you know, I was speaking with my grandmothers from a conscious perspective. And when I thought of my grandmothers, the, the biggest thing that was there was their suffering, the suffering that they had felt in this lifetime. And I felt it, you know, and I realized that I was like, if there's anything I could do on this planet, I want to help people in their suffering. And it is your birthright to have emancipation from suffering. It's your birthright to end the suffering around everything that's happened in not only your lifetime, but when you heal yourself, you really truly do the work for, for your grandmother, for your, for your great-great-grandmother, for your future generations. And so it's not just about you. It is really the greatest gift you can give to everybody around you. And it's that feeling of being free, isn't it? Like truly free, yeah. like truly free from any kind of shackles or chains that, that have held you back from doing really anything. It's those limiting beliefs that you always talk about. And, you know, it takes a lot of courage to go into that practice. It's deep it's, healing. It's work. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's also important to note. But, you know, I think find your support, find a coach, find anyone that, you know, yeah. can support you through your journey because it's so important. I mean, life's not a game. You know what I mean? It's like, well, it's a game. It's a game. But it's it's um it's not a dress run, you know. It's um let's do this, you know. Let's let's yeah. heal. let's it's not a dress rehearsal, guys. You might as well do it, you know. If it's yeah, not this right thing, you have to do it anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. So before we dive into society, which I definitely want to talk about today, I really I've just got to ask this question. Um, what does your and I'm probably sure you get asked this all the time. What does your morning spiritual practice look like? Oh gosh, you know, it's, it's funny because it's changed so much, Lisa, honestly. I used to spend um, 
you know, one to six hours a day in my spiritual practice at points in time. Um, It is not that anymore at all. And quite frankly, um, you know, I don't want to be like higher or better than or anything like that. But for me, I began to break through in my meditation to where there was no huge distinction between when I was in meditation and when I wasn't in meditation. Hmm. And what I could get to now in three breaths used to take me 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Right. So um, every meeting I go into, I begin, I do a prayer before or with the person in, and I always do uh, what's, what we use is what's called affirmative prayer. So um, I really just take three deep breaths. I connect as deeply as possible into source and I go into my day. I actually, when I am doing a lot of meditations, it's actually in the evening. I prefer to do my meditations in the evening. I don't know what it is, but I'm create, very creative in the mornings. And then I like when it's dark and late at night, I do deep, deep meditations then. That's beautiful. It's nice to know you can kind of like switch it up, you know. Um, I, I, I'm, this, I'm a bit the same, actually. Sometimes it's nice just to unpack the day and, um, you know, let go yeah. of attachment and, and things like that, especially if you are sensitive. You know, it's a great way to send you into a nice deep sleep. Yeah, so good, huh? Um, yes. So let's talk about society and this incredible global spiritual community that you have really just created. And um, it's coming in hot. Um, I, I'm obviously a part of the Facebook group that you've created um, in the last few months. Tell us about, tell us what it's about and uh, how can people be involved? Oh, I love it so much. Yeah, so Soul Society, uh, the vision is to be the number one spiritual coaching community. And our vision is to awaken a billion people on this planet. We truly believe that when somebody awakens, they have a gift and message to bring to the world and together we are awakening the world. So we really believe that, um, that, you know, each and every person is so imperative in, in the wholeness, in the integrity of this, of the universe. And the the community itself is really about empowerment and enlightenment and entrepreneurship. So what happened was years ago when I was in ministerial school and getting my doctorate in divinity and stuff, um, I would pray, of course, to my higher self and say, use me for the highest good. And what came through was, you know, really the vision of of it, I had to be in Los Angeles, and I was like, oh, "Really?" You know, it's like media was really important and community. And I really believe that right now, in all of life, is a measurement of consciousness. And I really believe that community is the most important thing. And what I would what I would witness is people in the spiritual centers. They were beautiful people, but I felt like there was a lack of prosperity, a lack of of um, almost like there's business and then there's spirituality. And yes. I don't. I feel like that there was a missing gap for me. And so I really have the mission of helping people bring their soul-based businesses um, online and develop spiritual coaches and really world-renowned spiritual leaders in all these distinctions. And um, so the mission really is to help people create leaders because look, if I just am just a leader, it's not, it won't go so far. Sure, I might be able to touch a billions of lives, really, but really, what does that do? It, it, it's about empowering them. So for them to be fully empowered and embody the work and teach yeah. it themselves. Be the ripple know. effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how can people get involved? How, what does that look like? 
Because I know that so you guys is, have a couple of different programs as well that people. Yeah, there is the free program you're in, which is the inner circle. And it's amazing. Like we have all the ambassadors are now doing support calls and all kinds of stuff in there. So we good. have a daily, I do a daily live um, Monday through Friday about daily truth. And um, there's, I think there's like five plus support, like hour long Zoom calls, everything from just, you know, society sisters that teach universal law and law of attraction to recovery support calls to, um, there's even going to be a gentleman's call now and all okay. kinds of stuff. So that's free. It's all free. There's, you know, a member's area, there's my book, there's other like stuff on the back end. We give, give, give so much and we love it because look, you know, it's a ripple effect back. If you want to get involved beyond that, there is basically um, a program we call leadership and it's for soul-based um, business owners or people who really just want to uh, embody both the spiritual mastery and the business mastery. And that's a 12 week program that is very intense, but also is lifeline membership. Um, and then next is where we certify spiritual coaches and that's a 300 hour program. And then we are, you know, the ambassadors are people who want to move up and, you know, teach within soul society. So there's that. And then we're, we're launching, I don't want to confuse too many people, but we're launching the new thought global, which will actually be able to license spiritual practitioners ministers and doctors of divinity so we're, we'll be rolling that out probably in fall so there's lots of ways that we can reach you in, in lots of ways lots yes. of ways <laughs> pick your platform mm -hmm. and go to town um dr aaron thank you so much for for being oh. here and sharing this space with us you are truly a beacon of light for so many myself included and we really appreciate you sharing this space with us oh, thank you so much and please let them know there's there are a lot of free worksheets for everything from love and relationship like recovery and body image recovery and all kinds of stuff because we just know like sometimes sometimes it's like major problems when you start to have your awakening you know yeah. what gets you there and so i say that we've we we know hell you know we've been there yeah, so, most definitely yeah. and when i kind of had my awakening and that was i'm going to be 31 this year and i was 24 um i kind of had my moment of being just a bit of a mess because that's you know you're like a newborn learning to walk again yeah. and mm -hmm. i was really on the hunt for and this is really no bullshit. I was really on the hunt for someone like yourself, but I found that there was such a lack in authenticity and you can feel it, especially if you're empathetic and sensitive to that, you can feel mm. someone's truth of what, what they want. And you were the first spiritual practitioner and teacher that I came across that I went, oh. hell yeah. And that's, and that's oh, why. So um, I, I couldn't, I cannot recommend Dr. Erin enough. And I will, as I said, pop her links to all of the things and all of the different platforms that you can connect with her and check out her work. I really, really recommend that you do. Aww. She's been an incredible support to me. I really enjoyed this conversation. You're amazing. Keep up this amazing work. You're, you're, you're very gifted at this. Trust me. I've had a lot of interviews in my life, so you're very talented. Keep it up. Amazing. Thank you yep. so much. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of Self. If you would like to connect or have any questions on today's episode, you can find me across on Instagram at Lisa C. Clark. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.